to following the gospel. We have to be obedient in following the gospel of Christ. And then then the actual act of teaching our children, as I mentioned before, the gospel um, will make us obedient as well. But to go a bit farther, I will say that moms have the same responsibility to teach their kids the gospel and to follow the gospel as well. You know, this morning on my way to church, one of my highlights um, uh, on Father's Day is I love music and my son made me a playlist. (laughs) Right. And so um, so I said this morning was my first time listening to the playlist on the way to church. And I got to tell you, the first song on there, like I was having like moist blinks. I wasn't crying. Right. And, and, I, and, and, you know, I had to kind of like, you know, make sure I could see the road because of the moisture in my eyes. Um, but, uh, JJ, if you can go ahead and play that song. as I am proud of you. 
This is how this message is going to go. <laughs> um, but hey, man, I, I appreciate my son. My son is awesome. And, um, yeah, I came to church just being so grateful for him, you know. Um, but uh, have, you ever, have you ever found yourself um, speaking with somebody or in a relationship with somebody um, that you just, you couldn't figure them out, right? Like, you know, they have some underlying issues going on in their life, but you can't really quite grasp what it is, right? Um, I've met people like that before where I'm just like, man, there's something going on, and they may not be able to express it themselves, you know, what's going on in their lives. Um, and so I guess, you know, Today is about songs, I suppose, in my message, because I have another song that I want to not play, but I want to talk about here. Um, there's a song that I really like called Daughters, right, by uh, John Lyon. And you used to hear it several times a day, like on pop stations and stuff like that. Like you would, you would turn on that the, 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 the station and you just kind of hear it and hear it and hear it. And, um, and, you know, it's sung by a man who... He can't seem to understand the woman that he's fallen in love with, right? He just can't understand her. He can't get her. And while she seems to be interested in him, at times it seems she's unable to receive or return the love that he has given her. And, and so at first he figures that it must be, it must have something to do with him, right? But then he comes to realize that it has more to do with the other man in her life, right? Her father. And his failure to be the person she needed him to be when she was growing up. And so it seems that a, that a critical moment in this young girl's life, her, at a critical moment, her father walked out on her. And that experience still haunts her life, right? And years later, sabotaging her ability her ability to love and to even be loved and so the singer reminds fathers and mothers to consider the impact their decisions have on their children who look up to them and here are here are a few lines in the song that he sings he, he sings he sings fathers be good to your daughters daughters will love like you do girls become lovers who turn into mothers so mothers be good to your daughters too. And so later in the song, he broadens this message, right? He broadens this message to include more than just mothers and fathers. So on behalf of every man, he says, looking out, he's, you know, he talks about looking out for every girl. And he's reminding us that we're all in this thing together, right? That we all play this part 
and a part in development of children and young people around us. And so what we do, brothers and sisters, matters. What we do around children matters. What we do around, you know, our singles ministry matters. What we do around our teen ministry and campus ministry, it matters. And so, you know, how we live will mark the lives of those who follow us, for better or for worse. So he says, let's be good to the children in our lives. We're all in this together. Together. Imagine, imagine for a moment a game of catch that spans generations, right? There's this one game of catch that spans generations, and the ball is wisdom. The ball is, is lessons. The ball is guidance, right? It's God's word just being thrown back and forth. Right? And as you play catch, and as the ball represents those things, fathers throw it to their children, right, who catch it, they internalize it, and when the time comes, they throw it to their own children, right? Just like in that song that was played just now. You know, this eternal game of spiritual catch goes on from one generation to the other. Hence the title of our message today generation to generation. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119, starting in verse 89. We're going to read Psalm 119, 89 through 96. It says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection, I see a limit. Listen to this. To all perfection, I see a limit. But your commands are boundless. Right? The things that we look at in life as perfect, there is a limit on those things. But there isn't the same limit on God's commands. You know, I love this passage. It says so much to get us prepared with faith and conviction regarding not only the word of God, but God's goodness and his faithfulness. You know, the longest psalm in the Bible is Psalm 119. And it's a celebration of God's word. But in addition to that, to that, in addition to the celebration of God's word and it's the eternal word, it is just as relevant and true for our children and grandchildren as it is for us. The word of God does not stop with us, right? I think sometimes we can read and study the Bible and we do it and we consume it for us, but are we passing it on to our children as well? It doesn't stop just with us, you know, but this psalm also includes passages, again, like I said, that celebrate goodness of God. Psalm 119, 90 states that your faithfulness continues through all generations. 
you established the earth and it endures. Right? Your faithfulness continues through all generations. The word of God is relevant to all generations. It doesn't just stop with us. Man, we have a great God. You know, the faithfulness of God is not dependent on your actions. It's not dependent on our actions, amen, but on on the very character of God. I'm grateful for that. And thankfully, whether we are faithful or not, from generation to generation, God is faithful. You know, we live a life that's imperfect where we mess up every day. If I were to count the times I mess up every day, I don't think I have fingers for them. I mess up all day, every day, whether it be whether it be in things that I say or do or even my thoughts. But from generation to generation, God is faithful. God is good all the time. However, parents are not exempt from their responsibilities in raising their children, right? Raising their children in the faith. It's our responsibility. Both fathers and mothers have a role to play, right? In an article in the USA Today in uh, 2017, the article is entitled, Why Dads Matter According to Science. (laughs) It's an interesting article. You can look it up and read it. But it says that studies show children with involved fathers, stepdads or father figures, are less likely to get in trouble with the law, tend to do better in school, and are more likely to hold a job, right? I feel that's the same with mothers, right? But it's so critical that fathers play a strong role in their children's lives. As a father, it's important to recognize the importance of being present and teaching your children the scriptures, Psalm 119, 92-93, we, we just read it. It says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. The word of God saves us, and the word of God is what preserves our life. If it wasn't for my delight in the word of God, Right? I would have perished in my affliction. Don't you want to teach that to your children? Don't you want to teach that and have it carry on generation to generation? We have to teach that nothing preserves our life like the Word of God. There's nothing that saves us like the Word of God. And so we must delight in it. Paul gives some good advice about this as well. Right? In Ephesians 6, starting in verse 4, this is what Paul talks about. And he, this is where he says, okay, this is what you don't do. Right? This is, this is he's going to explain what you don't do and what you do. Right? And so in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So after giving, in the verses before, after giving direction to children about them obeying and honoring their parents, now he turns 
to fathers and addresses fathers here, and he starts by telling them what they should not do. Right? And he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. You know, when I first read that, it was, you know, as a young disciple, I kind of skipped over it. I was like, exasperate? I don't know what that is. Let's move on. Right? Because as young Christians, sometimes we read the Bible like that. When, But what does that mean? It means don't provoke them. Don't anger them. Don't hassle them about everything. Don't aggravate them. Don't rile them up. Right? And how do we do that sometimes? Right? We, we ourselves disobey the scriptures in being self-controlled, and then we bring that to our children, and it aggravates them. It exasperates them. It provokes them. It angers them. Because a lot of times what we do is we think we have the right to do that because we're parents. You do as I say. Fathers have a responsibility to teach their children about God. And this is as much a command from God as a command not to steal. But while the command not to steal is passive, right? It's a passive command that tells you don't do something. Here's what they're doing. Here's what Paul's doing. He's telling you to do something. And if children are called to obey, then we are called to be sensitive. We're called to be loving. And we're called to be kind. And one way we can do this is by listening to their point of view and being fair. See, the important thing to remember in any relationship, according to one of the commentaries that I frequent, is that the person with the greatest social power, here is mom or dad, have the greatest responsibility to use that power lovingly and wisely. What do we call that? We call that being meek. Because we have the power, but we don't, we don't take that power and say, I have to use it against my child in raising them. We have the power to do these things. It's like, it's like a, a tamed horse. He has the power, but guess what he's doing? He's meek because he's not using that power against you. He allows you to get on his back. That's being meek. Moses was meek. Right? Because he has these, this power. And what does the scripture say about being meek? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, parents can easily misuse their authority. How do they do that? Well, one is by making irritating or unreasonable demands, which don't allow for the inexperience and immaturity of their children. Sometimes we make these demands of our children that is way beyond them and way above their heads, where where if 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 they really try to do these things and pursue these things, it can provoke them. It can be a hassle. Because it's just so much that we're calling them to do. Not realizing that every child is different. That we have to be able to communicate and understand their pace. 
right? That's one of the things that Claudette and I try to do really hard with Travis is understand his pace when he's ready, right? But you guys know his story. He was born premature. He was born one pound, eight ounces, right? And so for a while, he didn't even talk. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to wait. He didn't walk for early. I was going to wait. It's up to him. Now he runs. Right? And so, and so, and he talks. And he does these things that, like, he says some things to us that are profound. And we're just like, huh? Where'd you learn that? Got to make sure that we're not making unreasonable demands of our children. Parents can easily misuse their authority by by being harsh and cruel at one extreme or or by favoritism and overindulgence at the other. Or they can be humiliating and suppressing. One of the things that I never did with Travis was scold him in a crowd. Like even in the supermarket, he would do some stuff sometimes. And I'm like, oh boy, I know he loves Walmart, but... He's going to enjoy the car a whole lot more. Right? And so, but we, we wouldn't scold him in the store. We would just, nice and calm, just walk him out, get in the car. And when we're in the car, we have it out in private. We can easily misuse our authority by those two really vindictive weapons called sarcasm and ridicule. Being sarcastic with our kids, ridiculing our kids. And so the picture here is building them up. We gotta build up our children, build them up in the word. There there are some of the 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 the, the, the parental attitudes which which provoke resentment and anger in children. You know, so of course we we discipline our kids, right? We're called to do that, but not in a harsh harsh way which will discourage them. You know, that's not what we would wish from God with God's discipline. And so we're teaching them about God as we act out our leadership, as we act out being fathers, being mothers, being parents. Which leads us into the second part of this verse, which which is what fathers are to do, right? And so here's what Paul says that we're, we're to do in verse 4. He says, instead, I love how he, he cuts that there. It says, instead, instead of making them angry, right? Instead of aggravating them, Because this was something that the people of that time would do, right? They felt like, look, I am your father. You do as I say. And they would exasperate their children. So he's warning them now and saying, look, don't do that. But instead, here's what you should do. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers have a responsibility to teach their children about the Lord. I can't say that enough. Teach your children about the Lord. 
It's one thing to teach them about music. It's one thing to teach them about sports. It's one thing to teach them and make sure they do well in school. But we got to teach them about the Lord. You can have a very smart person that offers nothing to the community and God's kingdom. Teach them about the Lord. And again, this is as much a command from God as don't steal. Don't lie. And so, but while the command not to steal, again, like as I mentioned before, is a passive command. The command here is an active command. Fathers are to do something, namely, they are to help their children grow up to understand and know God. One of the things that, you know, I guess it's like an unsaid rule in our house that Travis has adapted extremely well is that on Sunday mornings, we're at church. And there are very little excuses for not being. Very little. Like you can make the excuse and I probably at the house would be like, hey man, I'll pray for you. Let's go to church. Right? There's very little excuses. People who stay with us know we're going to church. Right? I, I You can ask Claudette. I've been irritated in the past when we have like a house guest and they say, oh, I'm just going to sleep in while you guys go. And I'm like, that don't look right, man. <laughs> like You're going to lie down in your bed. We're going to go to church and worship the Lord. No, you need to come. So much so that Travis, man, when it when Sunday comes, he wants to know some details. We're going to church. What are we doing afterwards? We're doing this, that, and the other. Wednesday nights, are we having, we're going to family group, or are we going to go to church? Like, he wants to know these things because that's how he grew up. That's how he was raised, understanding that this, there is no other option but being with the body. Praise Jesus. He's a disciple today. I told you guys I was going to keep mentioning that every week, right? But know that the ability to do all this, it comes from God. It's Holy Spirit-led. We have to be obedient and faithful followers in order to lead and encourage our children in this way. You know, I'm excited about the teen ministry. I'm super excited about the teen ministry because I see more teens growing an interest in getting in the word. They're having this interest in, interest in exploring the word. They're not saying, yes, I'm going to become a Christian. They're like looking at the word and saying, okay, I want to explore this and see what happens. I appreciate that. Because remember I said, we have to allow them to be their own person and to make that decision. So as they explore the word of God, they will make that decision, whether it be positive or negative. Listen, pray about it. But we're allowing them to explore that. Trust me, they have had much time to explore the world. I am grateful that they're taking time to explore the word of God. You know, he is the ultimate example. God is the ultimate example of patience. He's the ultimate example of love and kindness. He showed a, a living example of his patience, love, kindness, and frankly, 
himself through Jesus' life. I heard a little bit about that from John. John 3.16. Well, I meant that John. But in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His one and only Son, that is our Father's love. You know, Matthew, Matthew Henry he says that all the compassions of all the tender fathers in the world compared with the tender mercies of our God would be but a, as a candle to the sun or a drop to the ocean. So I want to end out or, or move to closing this message by just giving a few examples from history of fathers who did a fantastic job with their families. You know, George Washington is considered the father of his country. You know, the first president of the United States is not only known for his leadership in the Revolutionary War, but also for his dedication to his family. Despite his demanding military and political career, Washington always prioritized his role as a father. He would frequently write letters to his stepchildren and grandchildren, offering them guidance, wisdom, and moral instruction. He committed to his family. His commitment to his family extended beyond his lifetime, and his legacy of integrity, leadership, and love for the country inspired generations to come. In addition, Mahatma Gandhi, he is considered the father of the nation. Right? And he is the is like he's an iconic leader of the Indian independence movement. And he wasn't only dedicated to liberating his nation from British rule, but also to nurturing his family and setting an example of simplicity and selflessness. Gandhi's commitment to his family was evident in his emphasis on family values, such as respect, unity, and harmony. He encouraged his children to actively participate in the struggle for independence and to embody the principles of nonviolence and truth. Gandhi's teachings and sacrificial service to his family left an incredible mark on his children and the Indian nation, earning him the title of father of the nation. But there wasn't only just a father of the nation, there was also a father to a nation who was Nelson Mandela. The renowned South, South African anti-apartheid revolutionary and, and president was not only a leader for his country, but also a father figure to many people. During his 27-year imprisonment, Mandela's commitment to his family remained steadfast, even though he was in prison. He wrote letters to his wife, Winnie, and children, providing them with words of love, encouragement, and guidance. Mandela's selfless dedication to his family and his unwavering pursuit of justice and equality inspired not only his children, but also the entire nation. 
His reconciliation efforts and commitment to forgiveness have made him a revered figure known as the father of modern South Africa. Each of these people, they had so much going on, right? Like we can say, man, we got all this stuff going on. I missed this time with my son or I missed this time with my daughter. That was no excuse for him. No excuse for that. These are world leaders that are spending time with their children and hoping that their children are going to make a difference in the world, make a difference in their communities. That's what we should expect as God's sons and daughters, to do the same thing or even better, to bring them up, as Paul said, in the word of God. You know, are we nourishing and feeding our children godly principles? You know, and as a father, are you being obedient to the Lord? So if we anger our children, what does this lead to? If we anger our children, if we provoke them, if we exasperate them, it could possibly lead to sin. Of which we are too responsible for. And thus will accomplish the opposite of having them grounded in the word. The word that is, amongst other things, pretty much our instruction manual and tool that we use for parenting. And so to conclude, Paul has given fathers and mothers their marching orders here, right? But they can carry them out without worrying about the outcome. If you do these things, you don't have to be concerned about the outcome. If you bring your child up in the Lord, you don't have to be concerned about the outcome. Psalm 119.90 is a firm reminder that God's faithfulness will endure from generation to generation. His faithfulness endures because of his character, not because of yours, not because of how awesome a parent you are, not because of anything having to do with you. It's because of his character, not your perfect instruction because you read a book about parenting. This knowledge can free fathers from worry and encourage us to trust God completely with the faith of our children. Sometimes we sit there and we're like, oh man, I don't know if my, my child is going to love God, if they're going to become a disciple, but are you trusting God? Or are you thinking that because of your instruction, that is what's supposed to make a difference in their life? This whole idea of bringing them up in God is that you're giving them to God and that you're instructing them on the word of God. And then you're leaving it like that. You're being still and letting God. Proverbs 12, verse 12. The wicked desire the stronghold of evildoers. But the root of the righteous endures. Let us pay more attention to the second part of this verse, right? And if the root endures, the tree is going to bear fruit. I encourage us all as parents to endure. How are your roots? 
Do your roots dig deep? Are your roots being nourished? Because if you want your child to be fruitful, you better get those roots down deep. Nourish them and feed them as you would feed your child as well. And so let us be good sons. Let us be good daughters. Let us be good to our sons. Let us be good to our daughters by raising them through and with the goodness of God. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Can we give that another hand? Can we give JD another hand? No, I was talking to my dad this morning. You made me think of there was one moment I will never forget. I may have been nine years old. He came to me and said, son, you are no longer mine. I have given you to God. I am your physical guardian but I've given you to him as your spiritual father. And you would think that would scare me, but that 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 blew my mind. That I was just like, because I knew how much my dad loved me. And so I'm like, how could you do that? How like not 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 like how could you, but it's like, how do you have that love for a God and trust for him like that? So it's, it's I, I stand fully on what you said. It's it's my dad and I are very different, but seeing his 